Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. Welcome back to Andy Raymond Unfiltered, legends. Previously on the Malmeninga story, we spoke candidly about his upbringing, kangaroo tours and premierships, but more about the man than just the athlete. The story continues. It had been a tough few years leading into the successes on a personal note. Three broken arms, a lot of time watching and not playing. Was there a time where you thought, okay, I'm done, I'm over this, this is happening too regularly and I can't come back again? No, never. No, I'm... um I understood that it was just bad luck and lack of patience. You know, so so the last time I come back, so last time I come back in '89, um, I just gave it time basically yep. and worked worked my butt off. It's the hardest I've ever trained, Andy. Honestly, um, okay. through that period, that 80 month period, it's the hardest I've ever trained. You know, I was doing honestly five days, five hours, you know, five days a week doing swimming or doing weights or running, you know, and just get myself fit as I possibly could. Um, it's just a broken arm, mate, you know. Yeah. So a broken arm, you know, it mends and actually mends stronger. So I, I just had a bit of bad luck. I had a plate in the arm for a couple, the first couple of times I, I re-broke it. They broke along the screw lines. Mm. So I just took the plate out and had bone grafts and stuck the, the bone grafts in the holes in my arm and let's let it time to recover and just work my butt off and strengthen that 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 my arm and the region, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I used it. It was probably, again, another defining moment for me, but I used it because I haven't finished the job, you know. I felt I got plenty to plenty to offer. Um, and that's when that period did come through, 89 through to 94. Uh, I was off the back of, you know, working my butt off and, and wanted to prove some more points that I could actually, you know, keep on going. 94 was your final year as a player. Fairy tales in this game don't happen all that often. You finished with a premiership and a record-breaking fourth kangaroo tour at the very, very top of your game. Did you retire a year early? I was falling apart um, physically, not mentally, but physically. So uh, it's ironically enough, um, I kept training after the kangaroo tour. So that was in December 94. And I kept training and... Uh, kept on pushing myself, uh, making sure that, you know, I, I was doing all the right things. Um, I didn't want to be a, which I am now, you know, a retired fat footballer, but um, <laughs> I didn't want to be that, you know. So I just, but I remember like six months, six months to the day, I was, I, was, I was running on a treadmill at one of the gyms down here in Canberra and every ache and pain just disappeared. Wow. Just disappeared. And they call it detraining now. So I didn't understand none of that, yeah. the sports science, but they call it detraining. And and this disappeared. And I haven't had really had an ache or pain ever since, since that. So all the aches and I had a sore, you know, sore neck, a you know, crook lower back, a, a crook knee, um, you know, just pains everywhere. Um, and Tim and Shenzi did ask me to come back, but it wasn't until 96, the team was 95, the Raiders only lost two games. Mm. So they didn't need me in 95. <laughs> Uh, make, but 96, they went through a whole heap of injuries and uh, Sheens did ask me to come back, um, but made a decision that was against 
I didn't want to do that, you know, so it made us hullabaloo of my retiring, you know, buses and stadiums and statues yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But it's a bit, you know. Um, so I think 94 was the right time for me. Um, I retired at the top. Um, I've always got, got that, you know, in, under my belt, you know, so. And it's held me in pretty good stead since then, Andy, you know, so I'm, I'm still involved in the game at the highest level, which is, you know, fantastic. And um, I'm one of, the, one of the chosen lucky ones, I guess. What was the lure of coaching? You're only out of the game for, for two seasons. What was your initial thought process or, or the trigger moment that you thought, yeah, this is me? Um, well, Dad was always a coach. So I grew up, yep. I grew up, you know, in that sort of environment. Uh, so it's like any rugby league player, I guess, you know, you want to try yourself in, in that arena. Um, so I had the opportunity. Sheenzy was moving on. He was going up to up to the Cowboys in, in 97. So um, the club asked me. Um, so I, I didn't say yes straight away. Uh, I was reluctant. However, um, you know, the senior players were pretty happy with with me coming in and, and um, starting my, my coaching career. And as I said to them, I needed the help, you know, because, you know, it probably was a mistake, Andy, at the time to do it because... You know, you ask any any coach today, you just can't go from playing footy into into coaching. In my opinion, you've actually got to do the apprenticeship. Yep. You you got to go and you have got to understand club land. You got to understand you know, your development programs and you know your your roster management, all, all that sort of stuff that you need. And you also got to build a philosophy the way actually you want it, you want to coach. Um, you got to understand how you want to coach. Um, but I learnt that on the run, on the run, you know. I went back and did a, I did a business degree, an applied business degree at yeah. the same time, just to give me some sort of structure in the way, what I did. And it was a great learning experience for me, you know. We, you know, we had reasonable success, but not not a lot of success. We had, um, we went through the advent of Super League, um, professionalism, a lot of money in the game, having to manage egos, um, you know. So. You know the game was torn apart, so it was it was a tough time in our game. And you know, here I am, a very, 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 very novice coach, trying to handle all that. Because coaching is not just about the head coach; just not about coaching the footy team. It's about all the other things that come with that. You know, all the other um, you know, tensions, the media, your sponsors, everything. You know, as you know, um, it's a difficult job, and it takes a certain personality to to do that in my opinion um, and that's when I made the decision when I was coaching the Raiders and I did my business degree um, that I didn't want to coach I actually made the decision I didn't want to coach mm. on, a, on a regular basis because I just didn't think I had the personality to do that it's, it's not who I am it's, I'm, I'm a person that that loves you know well you know you go back to my ancestry I'm, that likes to wander a bit you know <laughs> Likes to go from things to things, you know. Yeah. Likes to have different things happening in their lives, you know. They keep. I probably got a bit of a creative juice around yep. around what I what I like doing, you know. So, and having that that you know the the grind of every day, you know, watching footy and yep. you know preparing teams for for games is is not me. It's not what I want to do, and that's where rep football really, you know, come into into calculations because. Yeah, you do it for a short period of the year, and um, it suited suited who I am, and yep. it suited the lifestyle I wanted to leave, uh, live, and um, it, it also keeps me involved and makes keeps me keeps me 
at the forefront and best practice, you know, the game and where the game is at as well. So it helps me to be more, keep relevant. How different was your relationship with the players that you played with and then had to coach? Uh, did you have to change? Did they have to change? Uh, that was the most difficult thing. Um, you know, so time heals and we, you know, there's a lot of fallouts at that time. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of fallouts mainly because of the whole rugby league environment, you know. Um, it was it was a difficult time in our game, you know. So here I am, so here I am inexperienced and trying to trying to move the club from semi-professional into professionalism. You know, so and here the players are trying to go from that semi-professionalism into full-time, you know, full-time training. It was very difficult to do. Um, and it wasn't until it wasn't until I reckon, you know, two thousand and probably beyond that most teams got it right. Yep. So it took us took us a look, you know, because we had to get back together again in, in 98. Um, and then, um, you know, teams had to get together, you know, so we had Western Reds and the Mariners and, you know, Adelaide Rams getting in, combining to the Melbourne Storm and yeah. just things like that. A lot of things were happening in the game that, you know, we had no control over. Um, and there's the angst between the two big media parties, as you know, and there's a lot of, lot of, bad blood going on and 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 i think the clubs and relationships you know um were affected through all that as well yeah but you know today i mean let me give me let, let me just clear the air there's all the players that i that i coached in those times you know we're all we're all fine now but there was some difficult times and difficult conversations we had to have through that period Clarkie's Rugby League column is our social media go-to. On both Facebook and Instagram, it's daily, it's news, it's insights, it's fun and it's social, with a huge following and plenty of banter between fans. It's unique footy content with all proceeds being donated to charity. It's on Facey and Insta. Check it out. Clarkie's RL Column. At the end of 97, you replaced Ricky Stewart with Laurie Daly as captain. How did that rate in terms of blow-ups or fallouts? Uh, I didn't rate. He understood. He understood. Um, yeah, but um, it was a difficult conversation to have. And it was a difficult conversation for the club to have, to be honest with you. Um, and I'm stuck in the middle of it. And we are two great, you know, Canberrans and two great Raiders people Um jostling for the spot, you know. So as, as we all know, history says that, that Ricky moved on uh, to Canterbury yep. for a couple of years. Um, I say, he mightn't say this, but I say, you know, it's actually the lessons learnt through all that has made him probably a better person and, and a greater coach today. Yep. You know, all those lessons moving, going, going, up, going, moving elsewhere. But it was a difficult decision at the time. And it's great to have him back as the – as the you know the, the head coach of the, the Raiders, you know, and doing a terrific job. Uh, it was just one of those things that happened at that particular time. Um, my relationship with Ricky now is excellent, and yeah, and same with Laurie. So, yeah, but it's something you, you, you I wouldn't want to want to do, and I probably again, but I probably handle it a lot better too. Okay. Club coaching to Origin coaching, how similar, how different are the experiences if we take the time frame out of it? Oh, I think it's totally different. Yep. To be honest with you, you're working with the best players in the game that you got at your your disposal. Um, so it's a more collaborative way of coaching, in my opinion. Um, it's not a 
it's not dictatorial. You know, it's not coming in and telling people how you how you want to coach. I think it's everyone's everyone's got to have input, and that's not just the senior leadership group. That's everyone. You know, if you and you said take time time out, but time is really important. And that's because everyone needs to understand their role in, a sh- in the shortest period of time and they've got to understand what their plan is in the shortest period of time so you can prepare for it. So um, I think I think it's not, it's not a – it's coaching in a certain degree, but it's more around your man management and more collaborative in the way you do things and bringing the group together um, socially, um, bringing the group together through a core set of values – and standards that you expect out of the out of the, the maroon jersey, um, and you know, letting them and, and giving them a really good history lesson into into those that come before you and respecting all that, you know. So yeah, it's a it's I think it's 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 similar in a way, but but your everyday stuff that you do around collaboration in the, with the team is a lot is different to what you do at club level, where it's a bit more. What's the word I'm looking for? It's it's autocratic, you know. It's yeah. a bit, a bit more autocratic. Your day to day work, where you know your, your coaches are working with players, yeah. and you know teach them how to how to improve and things like that. But you haven't got that time frame to do that. The magical run of that Queensland side from 06 onwards. Do you realise at the time what you're doing and how special it is, or don't you think like that at the time? Um. No, it is a special time. You get picked for Queensland yeah. <laughs> is a special time in, in your life, um, you know, and particularly getting debuts and things like that. Um, and just in, you're not playing. It's, it's a different. It's a different way of thinking. You know, I mean, obviously with club club land, you you, you, know, you put your colours on and you're playing for your supporters, but you're playing for your state. Yeah, you know, you're playing for your state here, and that that is that is really important part of. Of the psyche going into it all, um, you don't want to let your your colours down. You don't want to let the maroon colours down. Um, that's a really important part of the psyche to it all. Um, it's yeah, it's 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 very emotional. It's a, you, you've got to attach yourself emotionally to it all. And which you, I know you got to do that with everything you do, but yep. you know, but it's, it's who you are. It's, it's in your DNA. It's, it's how you grow up. You know, this yep. is this is this is different. You know, so I went and played for the Raiders, but I didn't grow up. A Raiders supporter, yep. you know. Um, but I was born in Queensland. I grew up being a Queensland supporter. You know, yeah. it's it's in your DNA. It's it's you know, you actually, from a supporter's point of view, you know, you actually do hate the Blues. Yes, <laughs> not so much the players, but you know, you do hate. You do. From a supporter, it's it's bragging rights for twelve months. Yeah, that's what it is. You know, so um, yeah, it's it's a and you. And you the, the greatest satisfaction you get is to see the players win, obviously, but even more so because the group grew together. Yeah, you know, so the, yeah, a lot of lot of players from different clubs, but the group grew together. And today, they're all mates. You know, so they're all mates, and some of them they still they, they still get together and they have holidays together as families. You know, they you know, uh, which is which is fantastic. That's that's the thing that I loved about it. We grew from a bunch of bunch of blokes. Yep, you know. All of a sudden, all their wives and girlfriends started to be part of it. It's like building this family. And all of a sudden, these all these kids started to, to appear. Um, you know, so the time at the end of ten years, you know, I mean, here this we've got this we've got eighty people 
near 100 people, you know. This is the group, this is the family, this is the community we've, we've we managed to develop in that time. That's what gives me great satisfaction. And, and the players, you know, obviously, you know, and, the, and their families, um, we all love success, don't we? You know, so uh, it, was, it was an extraordinary time for everyone. Does one individual memory from State of Origin stand out, a moment, a game, a series, above all others? I, 2006, Game 3, you know, uh, it, it's, I think everyone talks about it, you know, I know, and I talk about, you know, Darren Lockyer, and Darren, even Darren talks about it, you know, that, that, that game, you know, where we're down 14-4, you know, halfway through the, the second half off a dubious decision by the referee, even Gus Gould said it was was wrong decision, you know. So that's that's how dubious it was. Yeah. But yeah, but you know, for Darren to gather the team, this is the belief part, you know, around our values and sticking firm to who we were and and believing the the, the bounce of the ball is going to you know bounce our way if we just keep on doing the things we're doing. And that's the, the generalised conversation he had had with the team. Just keep hanging in there, guys. You know, the ball will bounce our way. Mm. It'll it'll come back to us. But we just got to keep on doing the things that we've been doing. And then, you know, the next minute um, or two, John Thurston gets in the clear. It's the moment for John, you know, for him, that self-belief. Gets in the, the clear with his famous dummy and puts 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 Brett Tate over, you know, under the sticks. All of a sudden, it's 14-10, you know. Um, and then, you know, I think about five minutes out, you know, the, the person who believes it most, you know, puts a kick downfield. Our chase was excellent. Yeah. Um, we make the tackle. You know, young Hodson gets into gets into dummy half, and the ball goes to ground, as we know. And the man that believed it most jumps on the footy and scores on the post. You know, fourteen all, Clinton Sofosky. You know, you know, sixteen fourteen. You know, we're still a minute and a half to go, and you know, we're still at our our hearts in our hands. But you know, I just think that was a defining moment for the team. And, and the captain himself, really, you know. So um, so I think, to me, that was, you know, we talk about catalysts all the time, but I think that was the catalyst for our run. Uh, we got to the stage there, Andy, where our belief was too strong. We had to bring them back at times, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, we we'll getting behind in games and, you know, and some games we'd lose because we're getting behind in games instead of starting quickly, yeah. you know. So we had, to, we had conversations like that and, you know, all through it, all through it all. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the players had great great belief in themselves and each other, and kept on coming coming up with the right decisions, which was all all stemmed from, I think, that that game in in two thousand and six. If you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legend series, we'd love for you to go to Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review. Best weekly review wins an unfiltered trucker's hat. Mal, are the personal rewards different as a player and a coach? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, From a coach, it's... For me, um, like I said before, I want to see the players get all the accolades and all the success, and that's what they deserve. They should be in the spotlight. I don't want that. I mean, you know, I know that I know this might sound, I don't know, stupid, but you go through all that success we had through that period, and you won't get one photo of me being involved with the team and the celebrations after a game. Wow. 
because it's their time. You know, we 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 provide the platform, we provide the environment for them to to be successful. You know, um, but they're the ones that get out there and, and go through that 80 minutes of rigor, grind. You know, stress, uh. decisions. You know, so uh, it's their moment. It's their moment, and and I think I think that they enjoyed that. Yeah. You know, because as a group. Um, We'd have, we'd have photos afterwards and things like that. Just, you know, we'd, we'd get together. But just that moment on the footy field after they after they, they win the series, it's their moment and that's the way they should they should celebrate. celebrate. And that's just my feeling. That's that's how I feel about coaching and playing. Um, yeah, but I know there's a lot of hard work that goes into coaching yeah. and a lot of stuff behind the scenes and stuff. We, we have our, we get, we get, we have our moments. Don't worry about that. And we have our, we celebrate it. No, yeah. <laughs> that as well. I just think that particular that defining moment when they win a GF, yep. it's their moment, you know. And then, then all your staff come in and, and help celebrate. Being named an immortal, can you explain that, what it meant to you? Not the typical cliched lines, but what it meant to Mal Meninga, the person. What's the cliched lines, Andy? I think the cliched line, the one I'd probably run with, would be, yeah, probably the highlight of football career <laughs> yeah no no my my um the way i described it was it was a personal personal accolade yeah. for everyone that supported me through my career so so you know obviously from my first ever coach was which was dad our coach at school the people that supported me and stuck by me through my whole life that to them that's to them i think that is the the ultimate accolade and thank you for for their faith and loyalty in me. That's that's the way I describe the immortal tag. Is that you know I've been on a bit of a journey and a lot of people have been around me all that in that all that time. Um, I've had a lot of lot of detractors and I've had a lot of supporters. But I just feel that for all my for all the people that had an influence on my life and those who supported me. Um, to them, it's a big thank you. I think in 30 years, that is perhaps the greatest answer I've ever heard. Well done. And it, it says Thanks, a lot of, it says a lot about you as a man, I, I must admit. Thank you. What are you most proud of as you look back across the journey? That? Yeah. I've just answered it, mate. Honestly, yeah. I've just answered it, answered it. I mean, I've had a lot of... You know, I've been really lucky, you know, played with some great coaches, great mentors, great people around me, great teams, great players. Um, you know, so and when I talk about when I talk about getting the immortal tag, it's all those all my teammates. Yeah. You know, the Laurie Darleys, the Ricky Stewarts down to, you know, a Wayne Collins as an example. Yep. You know, someone that's played a handful of games with, you know, all those people that I played footy with, you know. Um, so that's what I'm most proud of, is that I've done the right thing by them because yep. they they they've stuck up for me. You know, my brother used to get into into battles all the time, but, um, get into fights, you know, all the time about me and you know from the you know people who, who bag me, you know. So yeah. to them, to them, it's, it's like giving them the, the golden finger, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. See, right. I told you. Yeah, I told you. And to me, that's that gives me the, the greatest of satisfaction because, um, yeah, because there you go up yours is there a regret something you wish you could change oh not really it's it's all it's all experience you know I would love to have I would love to have captain an Origin Series win 
you know, would have loved to have done that. And I would love to have gone back to to St Helens again, you know, I've talked about before, but you know, that's that's part of my motivation when I took on the origin side. So that, I've I've turned that into that negative into a positive, you know. So I don't I want these players to experience a victory. You know, yeah. and I want, I want, I want a Darren, I want a you know, Cameron Smith, and whoever's going to captain the side. I, I want them to, to experience, you know, winning, winning a series as a player. That's that was my motivation. The irony of a life lived under the spotlight is the man behind the footballer would rather be at home in the company of family and close mates, having a quiet, in-depth chat, than in the spotlight. I think that probably sums you up pretty well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm. I'm happy at home. COVID's, COVID's been a blessing, Andy, for me, to be honest <laughs> with you. It's, um, that's the way I look at things. You know, it's been, I've spent more time with family. Um, it's funny, it's, you can do things. I would look at us today, you know, chatting. Yeah. You know, um, every day I'm in the meetings, but, but I'm home. You know, how good's that? You know, so um, don't have to get dressed up. I'm not a Thai person, not a suit person. You know, I'm a, I'm a bushy, you know, I like putting yeah. a shorts and shirt on and a pair of thongs. That's that's what I like doing. You're big on, I won't say self-improvement, I'll say self-progression. Are you still working on that better version at 60 years of age? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yep, yep, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, I won't be the best coach I can possibly be. You know, I don't coach on a regular basis, but, you know, I've got to be, I've got to be up to speed with everything I do, you know, so I've got to be contemporary all the time. So I've got to understand, you know, times are changing, people are changing. Um, footy doesn't change. Footy's changed technically perhaps, but footy hasn't changed from a mental aptitude point of view. You know, you still got to have the same characteristics to play the game of rugby league, but the game's evolving on field, you know. So what a great endorsement it has this year, I think, the amount of points being scored and highly entertaining, you know. So the game's evolving at the moment you know, through through a set of rules that has uh, sped up the game. But you watch, you know, and in times not too far down the track, you know, coaches, teams will find a way to slow that all down, you know. So the defensive qualities will come back into the game. But that's how you evolve the game. So the game evolves all the time. So as individuals evolve in the game, you've, you've got to keep up with it. On and off the field, the achievements and the accolades are, in all honesty, too many to mention. But through it all, you have not changed, not a bit, since I met you in 1990. Actually, on my very first day of work, you've left a footprint on the game of rugby league that will never wear away and an impression on many fans and friends you've made along the way. Mal Meninga, you, sir, are a legend. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. I really appreciate it. Nice, kind words. Thank you. A new episode of the Legends series drops every Tuesday and the Weekly Wodge every Thursday. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening and follow us on social media at The Andy Raymond. Then you won't miss a thing. Come back soon. Legends 